reading briefly from Philippians 4. Uh, I'm going to look at a few parts of verse 12, but let me read uh, verses 10 and following. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be, ashamed, to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word given to us from centuries past, preserved for us in full integrity. May we have eyes of faith and ears to receive it and to prosper from it. Please direct my mouth now to not stray from your wisdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we live in a culture that I would say uh, reveres, perhaps uh, even idolizes success. Uh, being number one and coming out on top is, in many cases, the be-all and end-all. At all costs, look out for number one. Uh, the media constantly reminds us what it is to abound in that worldly sense. But here, Paul points us to something that else that is the cornerstone of Christian living. It's not our circumstances that determine this. Indeed, if it be wealth, fancy food, or attention from others, those things may be good, but they are not the end that we are seeking. Prestige or high esteem or the power that often accompany them are not the biblical privilege of his blessing. The key, though, to success is Jesus. By union with him through faith, we have strength for every occasion. That's his instructions here to his brothers and sisters in Philippi. Note there, every occasion, everywhere and in all things, he says in verse 12, including those two key words, abasement and abounding. Abasement is what I want to focus on today briefly, a bit countercultural, I would say. Abasement is what us moderns, particularly modern Americans, need to learn from because we have trouble with it. That verse again, verse 12, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. That's the apostle's instruction to us coming down through these pages of history. In the scope of this verse, we see that abasement is contrasted with abounding, obviously in that phrase, and then two other ways continuing in the verse. Abasement corresponds to hunger and suffering need, while abounding corresponds to being full. Other translations more explicitly have it, you know, richly blessed with food. Here in the New King James leaves it a little more sort of the idea as opposed to the specifics of the belly. So on the physical plane, the meaning is clear. Abounding means having plenty, plenty of food, excess. And abasement means having a small amount, even a lack, being in need, wanting more, desiring more. I do believe that the physical lack then is the basis of Paul's instruction here. It's not low of us to merely assign a physical meaning, right? God cares for our bodies. He meets all our needs. That's not a small thing to look out for his provision. Paul had endured, and he spoke in other cases, of very significant, real, painful 
difficulties that he went through, real, true, physical hardships and deprivations. Uh, throughout chapter 4 here, he is referring to the support of these brothers and sisters through those very real, very much felt, seen, touched, heard difficulties he had had. The support from his brothers and sisters in the Lord in Philippi was very significant, encouraged him immensely. And he, in, he uh, in reply, encouraged them to rejoice despite these trials. He encouraged them to be prayerful, to be thankful, despite situations that might lead to worry. And above all, to ponder that which is good in its various facets. His friends there in Philippi came alongside him in his times of distress and gave him real physical support during those times of, and we can use the general term to summarize it all, times of abasement when he suffered need, when he was lacking. So being hungry or ill-clothed does not make you a lesser Christian. Obviously, let's do the math here. If somebody like Paul suffered abasement, obviously it doesn't keep you out of the kingdom of God to be abased. Drawing close to Christ is what makes you a mature Christian, and often that happens in those times of abasement. So certainly, it's not unspiritual to speak of these physical trials and to use them as the basis for important life lessons. Is it food or drink only, though, that Paul is thinking of or that the scriptures address? No, the physical lack points to greater spiritual lessons in Christian living. Abasement and abounding do have significance beyond the scope of physical sustenance. And I don't want to say mere physical sustenance, but only physical sustenance. It's not one or the other, it's both and. Abasement, looking broader then at the significance in other aspects of our life, has the sense of lower rank, uh, being placed below others. So if it's generally speaking a lack, Previously, it was a lack of food, but looking at the bigger picture, it's a, a lack of prestige, uh, a lack of honor, maybe. Uh, the most common translation of this Greek word other places in the New King James New Testament is humbled. Very simple word. We all know what it means to be humbled, to not receive all the praise, all the attention, but to be made lower. Briefly reading four examples, Matthew 18, 4. Whoever humbles himself as this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's the same word in our text here in Philippians 4. Matthew 22, sorry, 23, verse 12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. James 4:10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So there, abase yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And lastly, 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. It's not very American, is it? Our flesh doesn't like being made low. It cries out, even screams at times for attention and praise, saying, look at me, right? I'm so good, I'm so smart, I'm so skilled. Don't you agree? Don't you recognize me as I should be? so much better than the others? Don't you see it? But that's our flesh. Friends, we have to, with purpose and with humility, by the grace of God, swim upstream against the culture here, to crucify the flesh, to go against these natural desires. The world, the flesh, the devil, all sweetly entice us, call out for us, saying that we deserve more. 
that the humbling circumstances aren't fair, right? That it should be different. We deserve better. But do we really want to think about fairness? If we think it's unfair to not get honored, do we really want to talk about fairness? No. What's fair? Fair is justice. And as we already recognized earlier in this worship service, justice, according to our deeds, doesn't look so good. Thankfully, God deals with us in mercy. We actually deserve judgment. He gives us something different, not for our righteous deeds, but for Christ's righteousness applied to us. So when those providences come that press upon us in abasement, may we not fight against them and complain. No, to see them rather as learning opportunities to gain the contentment that Pastor Duff preached on, I believe two weeks ago. It's an acquired trait, right? Acquired by grace through faith with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's an acquired trait that is not inherent to natural man. Paul learned it. And if he was vastly more studied in the scriptures than I was, vastly more active in mission efforts and receive the blessing of God in all of that, if he had to learn it, obviously I do too. You do too. We all need to learn this abasement. So be comforted with the fact that there is only one person for whom this type of contentment, this type of peace and joy, humility, right? The summary term. Only one person for whom this type of humility was his first nature. And that's the man, Christ Jesus. Quoting from chapter 2 of Philippians, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The table of the Lord, which we now approach, is a table of plenty and of feasting. So yes, it pictures the abounding that is in this verse, but it comes as a result of the abasement. It's a gift having been purchased at the price of death. The Lord's abounding provision for us, physically and spiritually, came through his profound abasement. So friends, I encourage us all, myself here, I always preach to myself first, I encourage all of us to seek grace in times of abasement. Sometimes our own actions bring us low, sometimes God's providences through no direct responsibility of ourselves bring us low. But in all cases, we rightly view them as opportunities to learn where and in whom true strength lies. It's at the cross in Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, in times of abasement, draw close to the Lord Jesus and partake of his strength for body and soul. What better place to find these than in his table weekly? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, you are indeed good and gracious beyond all that we deserve. That is the very nature of grace that's a gift undeserved by us. I pray that we would, as instructed in other places like Hebrews, recognize these uh, abasements as a loving chastisement, whereby you treat, with, treat us as sons and that you grow us into uh, mature men and women of faith. So please pour out that grace to us directly through the immediate action of this sacrament today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.